Well, happy, happy, happy Valentine's Day. Everyone, wherever you are, thank you for hanging out with us today as we kick off our brand new series called Defining the Relationship. Defining the Relationship. So today, what we're going to be talking about is boy meets girl. Not the sitcom, not the show. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Was it Topanga? Is that right? Anyway, I don't remember. Anyway, I don't remember. Yeah, whatever. It is what it is, wherever you are, if you grew up with that. Boy Meets Girls, what we're going to be talking about today, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun because today is Singles Awareness Day. We hear that all the way through, National Singles Awareness Day, wherever you are. So I just want to say, wherever you are, if you're single, it's okay. We're going to be talking about that here as we kick off our brand new series because when we talk about defining the relationship, obviously it has a beginning and the end, we'll get there later. We'll get there later. We'll get there later. Speaking of the end, husbands and wives, do something with me. I can't take credit for this uh, because I don't want you to think that you are going to be excluded today. So husbands and wife, I, I heard this at a wedding recently, and I'm going to keep saying it because it's so funny to me. So husbands and wife, look at each other. Look at each other. There you go. Now look deep in each other's eyes for me. Deep. Now as you see the reflection and your reflection in that other person's eyes know that statistically speaking, the person most likely to murder you is the one you're looking at right now. So I want you to know that 100% wherever you are, uh, statistically, and just know that if you're living and breathing, that person knows when you're asleep. So if they haven't murdered you, it's a good day. So there's still a chance on Valentine's Day for you to have a good day as we kick off our series. Great pastor joke, by the way. But we kick off our series called Defining the Relationship. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, though really is singleness and dating. So if you are married, you are engaged, you are doing something. I don't want you to tune out, because here's the thing. All of us know someone who's single, all of us know someone who's dating, and all of us know that this culture we live in, the goalpost of singleness and dating, and how we are operating in that completely changes all the time. And the thing is that's crazy is if we're not careful, we will undervalue or overvalue preparing ourselves for marriage and our singleness if we're defined by culture. So here's some stats I want to tell you as we get ready for this. The average age of the first marriage in the United States for men is the age of 30. People are calculating. Yep, I'm past that mark. But 30, 30. The average age of first marriage for women in the United States is 28. Now, 10 years ago, the average age was 28 for men and 26 for women. So as we keep going back farther, farther, that's what further is a not real distance. So we'll go further. We can see that the younger and younger you were when you get married. Now we get married later, yet the divorce rate is higher. How does that make sense? It's crazy. Maybe we aren't preparing ourselves. As a matter of fact, when I talk about singleness and dating, I just want to be real with you. As a single man, as a pastor in the church, I want to tell you singleness in the church is almost treated like leprosy. If you're over 25 and single, everybody's like, ah, what's wrong with you? Like, why does nobody want to be around? Like, in the church, it is. And I'm going to tell you, I get good intentions. Single people understand your good intentions. But I want to tell you, we got to do things God's way. And we have to be careful in the church when we do that to each other because culture does the same thing. Culture says if you're over a certain age and you're not married and don't have kids, something's wrong with you. And we have folks who are single are looking to date inside the church. Now, if you're only going to church to be single, to be dating, bless your heart, 
I'm just saying. It is what it is. Bless your heart. If you know, you know. But if you're going there, that's a terrible thing. But the world will do that. And if we're not careful inside the church, we'll start to exclude people. Because the only reason you should ever feel uncomfortable in church is because of the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Not because of something someone said to you. Not because of something someone did to you. It should only be the Holy Spirit that makes you uncomfortable and spurs you on to be what you were created to be. So as we're attacking this and we're walking against this and we talk about singleness and dating today, uh, I just want us to have some fun. We're going to be real. We're going to look at what singleness and dating looks like, but also I want us to see inside the church how we play a role with that. Because the thing about this is all throughout human history, we have thought our legacy is tied to being married with kids, right? To leave something behind, an inheritance had to do with having children, right? If you didn't have children, you had to worry about an heir. I mean, we can even read in the Old Testament, Abraham, he didn't have an heir. He was fighting with God, and he said, I don't have an heir. How in the world can I have a legacy? And the world has continued to move that way, but yet when Jesus came, he pressed back against that. Christianity pushes back against that and said, there's a beauty and a preparedness in singleness that will actually prepare you in marriage and for marriage, as opposed to you just getting married and trying to figure it out as you go, even though when you get married, you know. The person you married isn't the same today as the one when you took your vows. I'm just going to be real with you. They're not. We'll talk about that in the coming weeks. They're not. And the beauty of that is how you prepared yourself in singleness for that will help you be successful in your marriage going forward. So that's what we're going to talk about today, is talk about singleness and talk what that looks like. Because in Christ, where is our value? Being made in the image of God, in Him. In Christ, that's our value, not in our spouse, our kids, our two-and-a-half dogs, animals, or whatever you have, your 2.1 cars, whatever the average is, and your $40,000 salary, whatever that is in the United States. So let's talk about that. So how is it that the Bible pushes back against what culture says and says it's okay for you to be single even your whole life and not be in a, a, a convent, for lack of a better term? How is that? So, to do that, we're going to go to a guy who was single his entire ministry, even though Jesus was too, let's not discount him, but Paul. We're going to look at what Paul wrote to the letter, wrote to the church in Corinth. If you've got your Bible today, we're going to be hanging out most of the time in 1 Corinthians 7. Then we're going to go hang out to another letter he wrote to Timothy at the end. But 1 Corinthians 7 is going to help us see how the Bible pushes back against saying the only way you can be successful in this life and leave a legacy is to be married with children. Let's see what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 7, and we're going to be starting in verse 6, and we're going to see how we can be okay being single in the church. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one, by the way, free for the asking. Follow along with us on the Vine Church app. You can follow along with us on the Bible app, take notes, whatever that looks like. Wherever you are, you can do that. So let's go ahead and get into God's Word and see what the Bible says about being single. Paul says this in verse 6, I say this as a concession, not as a command. I love how Paul, he humbles himself from the beginning. He's like, hey, it's not up to me to give you commands. It's up to God to give you commands, okay? I'm just, I'm, I'm saying this as a concession for each and every person. I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. 
But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better for them to marry than to burn with passion. In other words, Paul is saying, hey, all of us are gifted to do something inside of the local church. All of us are gifted to do something for God. Some of us We'll do that through our singleness, and we'll be prepared in our singleness to do that well. Those of us who do that, when we step into marriage, we'll be able to carry those gifts well into marriage and multiply that. But others of us have to understand if we are only worried about our multiplication and worried about our legacy and our inheritance more than the gifts that God has given us, then we are doing the wrong thing because we aren't living on mission. Here's what I'm getting at. Paul says, if you cannot control yourselves, what does culture tell us about controlling ourselves? We just got to let, we just got to have it. If it feels good, do it. If you want to step into it, that's it. Like, if, if, if this is it, this is it. We have 90-day fiancé, for goodness, or love at first sight, for goodness sakes. We have The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, as I get things thrown at me for folks who watch it. I'm not judging you for watching. I'm just saying, in the world we live in, we hear that. We say that the giftedness is not in being single. The meaning can only be found in a marriage with a spouse and with kids. And I want to tell you, those who have kids, how much time do you have to yourself if you have children right now? Like, really, how much time—like, you can't go to the bathroom without fingers under the door. You can't—like, they—kids are born—like, I think they're born with a, a system that's better than an iPhone. Like, they always know where you are and know your location. Like, there's just—and it's been going on since the beginning of time. Like, that's the operating system they have. And so, for each and every one of us, what I'm trying to get at and what Paul is trying to point at is— for those of us who struggle in this world and can't control ourselves sexually, if we can't, then marriage may be our best step. We've got to do it within a covenant guidelines and guardrails of marriage, though, what God defines as that. For those of us who can, singleness is the way to go. And he's saying this because we all have a mission. He goes on in, in 1 Corinthians 7, and he talks about time being short, somewhere around verse 29. We're not going to talk about it, but he's saying, hey, the reason that there's a beauty in singleness is there are people dying, going to hell without the hope of Jesus. And that's what we're called to be in Christ Jesus. We are called to be vessels, His light, to reveal His glory to the ends of the earth and share the hope of the gospel with everyone in our path. And for some of us, being single is the best way to do that. And for others of us, being in the guardrails of covenant marriage is the best way to do that. Paul is saying for him, singleness was the answer. And so he's going to define and talk about why singleness was the answer for that. It goes on to say that if we want to look at that, he's saying, hey, in verse 32, if we want to skip down, he's going to say, here's the beauty in singleness and why singleness is the answer for him. Verse 32, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man, excuse me, is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are, are divided. Now listen, this isn't, a sign, this isn't an excuse for abuse, people. Don't read this married couple and be like, did you not hear what the pastor said? I can't be divided and give you my love and attention. I'll see how that goes. By the way, I'll be helping you look for a house soon if that's you. I just want to let you know because I'm just going to let you know. This isn't an excuse. We're going to unpack this. It says this, an unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit, but a married man is concerned about the affairs, a married woman, excuse me, is concerned about the affairs of 
this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way un, in undivided devotion of, or excuse me, to the Lord. Here's the thing. Inside of marriage, your devotion should be to the Lord. How you lived single in devotion to the Lord, you will carry in your marriage. Paul is talking about undivided interest, and we can unpack what that means. Really, when you are married in a covenant marriage, you die to yourself to lift your spouse up. Just as Christ died for us to lift us up, his bride, the church. So your interests, yes, are divided, but it means that you have died to yourself and your interest and how you feel and what you want, and you lay that down to lift your spouse up. And so when you're doing that, your spouse is your primary concern. And Paul is saying for those of us that struggle with this, we need to understand maybe we don't treat our spouse that way. We'll talk about that in the coming weeks. But for those of us who single, when we learn to do that now, we'll carry that into marriage, and our interests won't be divided. We will understand that the Lord is the third cord strand. He is the thing that holds us together. He is the center of our marriage, the head of our marriage. And as we pursue Him with love and devotion, we will live on mission that we did singly and married. I explain it to married couples this way when I talk about singleness and what Paul is talking about here. God has brought you together to do something He couldn't do with you apart. Prime example, kids, okay? I don't care what you say, you can do it in a test tube, we still have to have a male and female come together and this baby have birth given to it. That still has to happen. We've tried to clone things, we've tried to do things, that still has not changed. And I see that from the beginning where it happened. Like, that can't change. So God couldn't make that child without you two coming together. So that's the easiest way. So know that your child is a blessing, even though they may not feel like it today. They are a blessing. They are a blessing that the Lord has given you to steward, okay? Singles, singles. This is what Paul, Paul's saying. If we can't be devoted to the Lord in our singleness, we really can't be devoted to our spouse in our marriedness. Because if we don't learn devotion to the Lord now, we can't carry that into marriage. And if we can't carry that into marriage well, then all of a sudden we are setting ourselves and our spouse up for disaster because we are making them our Savior. And Paul is saying, if that's you, it would, it would be better for you not to be undivided to the Lord. You need to stay single. If you expect your spouse to complete you like Jerry Maguire, uh, if you expect that, you're setting yourself and your spouse up for failure. It's better for you to be single. But if you pursue the Lord, and if marriage happens, it happens. Hey, yo, you hear me say that all the time. If it happens, it happens. Whoever it is, God's having to prepare them for patience. I'm telling you right now, bless their heart. That's all I'm telling you, whoever she is. Like, he's preparing her right now because she's got to put up with me. Like, and I'm sorry. Like, that's it. I know that's what it is. But if not, I know that it's okay because of the mission that God has me on. The mission that he has me on as a, as a man, I'm telling you, is this. He's telling me as a single man, as your pastor, the mission God has me on, the reason I'm on this earth, is to help everyone else find their spiritual gift, take the next step in the calling that God has for them in their life. That's it. Help you find your gifts and take that next step in the calling God has on your life, the mission that God has on your life. That's what I'm created for. And the cool thing is, as a single person, I can live that out fully. As a married person, I can multiply that out fully. That is why God has me here but that's all built and based upon the salvation that I have in Christ Jesus first. So single people, that's what I'm trying to say. Why are you here? Why does God have you here? What are the gifts that you have? 
If you don't know those, then how in the world are you going to bring that into your marriage and expect, expect to be successful? Because I'm telling you, patience, I'm, I've heard usually, what is it, uh, after the wedding ceremony is usually the first fight? I don't know, whatever that is, on the way out, like, we've had that, we talk about this every year around this time, toilet paper over or under, like a waterfall, just saying, just, uh. anyway, if you know, you know, like a waterfall, it's how you have to roll. Uh, whatever it is, whatever you do, I'm saying, if you don't know your giftedness, you can't possibly lead each other well in your marriage. Paul is saying, singles, learn this now to carry that in to your marriage. Because here's the thing, if we live on mission in the local church, whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we're widowed, whether we have kids, whether we don't have kids, whether we like kids, whether we don't like kids, whether we like music, whether we don't like music, I don't know, whatever that is, Paul is saying, as a single person, you live out your devotion on, to the Lord, living on mission to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. And if you do that, you're going to set your marriage up for success. If you don't, even then, in the best of circumstances, those marriages can fall apart. I'm just going to be real with you. They can. But if you want to have a real successful marriage, have Valentine's Day for years to come with each other, you got to be well in your singleness. So Paul is saying, if you struggle, if you struggle 100% with controlling yourself, marriage is the key. I want to unpack that because we're going to talk about dating here for a second. As you're dating, you should be attracted to the person you're dating. You are wired that way. If you aren't, it ain't going to work. I'm just going to be, it's not going to work. If you're not attracted to them in some way, shape, or form. And Paul is saying, hey, that's natural. God created us that way. You know how we know that? Go all the way back to, to Genesis. Did, did Adam look at Eve and be like, is this the best you got, Lord? Like, I'm just trying to figure some things out here. Like, I'm looking at all the deer and the, the hippos and the rhinos. I'm just trying to figure out, like, I don't know. Like, that giraffe's pretty nice to snuggle up with. I don't know. You got anything like that? No, 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 no. He was wired. He was wired to be attracted to Eve. We're wired to be attracted to each other. The difference is in our singleness, if we learn to control that, we will set ourselves up on a solid foundation in our marriage to go forward. If we didn't or we don't do that, we are only setting ourselves up for a fall. Doesn't mean your marriage is going to fall apart. You're just setting yourself up for struggle down the line because you're going to regret that. You're going to go back to that. And the reason that we know this is important is because Jesus put such a high value on marriage. Why is that? Why did Jesus, a single guy, give so much high value on marriage? Because see singles, see married couples, our marriages point to something greater than us. Your marriage is about more than you and your spouse taking some vows, exchanging some rings, making some pretty babies, and, and them making pretty babies, and you living in your house. It's, it's about more than that. It points to the love of a father because we are his bride, the church. It points to us, the love of a father who loved us so much that he sent his son to live the perfect life we couldn't live, die the death we deserve, paying the penalty for our sin on the cross, and loved us enough not to stay, dad. The same power that raised him from the dead is the same power that lives inside of us in the Holy Spirit right now so that we can experience heaven on earth. Our marriages should point to heaven. It's about more than us. 
I've heard it said this way, and I share it because I think it's the, the, the most beautiful way I've ever heard it said, is the Bible beginning to end is God's love letter to his son about his bride to be given on his wedding day. That is what your marriage is. It's about us, undeserving of the love of the Father. Did nothing to earn it, yet in his unmerited grace, favor, mercy, and love, he made a way. Our marriages should point to that. So much so that our children should want a marriage like ours, and the world should see our marriages set apart from what they define a marriage as. And the question is, if we don't do that well in our singleness, we can't do that well inside of our marriage. So singles, there's a lot on the plate today for you. Now, big pause, I said this earlier, this would be a great time if you just have to, you know, <clears throat> get some water or anything. There's some free hugs and kisses if you don't feel like you're going to get any from Hershey over on the table over there. You can have those. If you're not going to get any today, you can say you went to church and got some hugs and kisses, and it was a good way. Married couples, do that. Bring it home. Your wife and her husband will love it. That's what it is. You know, maybe you forgot things. But I want us to see, maybe it's not that Jesus values marriage so much is why we struggle with that question. Maybe we struggle with that question because we wonder why Jesus values us, me, so much. Because that's where I can be. The question isn't, why does marriage have such a high value in Christianity? It's why do we have such a high value? Because we've done nothing to earn it. And it's only because of the love of the Father. So now I, I, I've heard singles, uh, singles are here, and you're just like, man, is he beating me up or lifting me up? I don't know. Whatever it is, the Holy Spirit is guiding you. I want to say maybe you're single and you're dating right now, and you're trying to figure out if you should swipe right, swipe left, swipe up, down, up, down, back, back, A, B, C, B. I don't know, whatever that is. Whatever those are, right, left, left, left. I don't remember the cheat codes. Whatever those are. Whatever you got to do on those things, whatever that looks like, you're trying to figure out. You say, hey, I'm single and I'm dating. I know that, that I want to be married, and, and I don't know what to do. How in the world do I do that in the culture that we live? In. And that's what Paul's talking about and the culture that we live in. How in the world do I do that? Well, let me tell you about the culture we live in. Uh, statistically, in the United States, 80% of people are sexually active by the time they're 20. Yet marriage is later. Cohabitation is higher than it ever has been. So much so, did you know that cohabitation actually increases the odds of you getting divorced by 80%? It increases that. Why? Because it's contractual agreement. It is not a covenant marriage. Now, does that mean that you can't be successful in that? I'm just telling you, it's not God's way for you in that. Cohabitation just increases with that person, not with someone else. I mean, it just increases because it's a contractual. It says, as long as you live up to your end of the bargain, I'll fulfill mine. But then when that doesn't happen, then it's over. And I want to tell you those that I'm thankful for, the marriages inside of this church that I thank God for every day, is no matter what, they're fighting to make their marriage work because they know it points to something greater than themselves. It points to Christ. So if you're single and you're trying to figure that out, don't, don't, don't go that route. Don't go the cohabitation route. Don't go saying, hey, I'm struggling with sin, so like I went and, and, and I did this, and I, I, I messed up, and I'm struggling. Listen, listen. I, we treat sexual sin different than everything else, don't we? If I'm struggling with hate and I say, man, I'm struggling with anger, I murdered three people today. I hope everybody's fine with me. Do you not think there would be some kind of consequence for my action? <laughs> yeah, when we go to sexual sin, it's not that way, is it? <laughs> we don't think about it that way. 
What I'm saying is all the way through, if you're trying to be singleness and dating, the pursuit of holiness, the pursuit of Jesus as your treasure over everything else matters most. And I'm telling you, I'm not a perfect person. I, I'm not. As a matter of fact, there are times that let's just talk about anger because, whoo, anger issues, anger. I can talk to you about anger all day long, but let's talk about everything else. There are times that I shouldn't look at that person that way. There are times that I shouldn't think that about that person. All of us are that way. We're all going to struggle in that regard. But the thing is, what we do with it. Do we let it dominate us so much so that we keep falling in the same trap and we say, well, I sleep around because I know that if I get married, it's going to be a commitment that goes, it's going to be a bigger commitment. And I just don't want to do that. I'm saving myself. Remember the woman at the well. Jesus didn't condemn her for it. He said, hey, that man you're living with, that's not your husband. Go forward and sin no more. This is a reset day for some of us. Maybe that's where we are, and this is the reset we need to make, is we're single, we're trying to date, and we've gone into the way of the world. So much so, we think that it's okay because sex is everywhere. It's, it's, it's everywhere. It's on the phone. I mean, it's everywhere. So much so, let me tell you, the culture that I grew up dominated in was that, and that's what sold. Sex doesn't sell anymore. Division does. That's the crazy thing. That's how destigmatized we are to that and how much we've allowed that to be okay. And the reason I'm sharing that is you may know a, a, a teenager, you may know a, a child, and I want to tell you the pressure upon them is greater than it ever was upon us, than ever before, to be active, to be promiscuous. And if we aren't having the conversation, culture will. And so for us, we've got to be open with that, and that's a hard conversation. It's a crazy thing. I know it's weird, and it's uncomfortable, and it's hard, but I would rather have the hard conversation than someone be hurt. I will tell you, I thank God for the people that had the conversation with me that said, this is not the way you need to go, and my hard head still did it, and yet they were still there for me even when I messed up. But I loved them so much so that they were willing to have the conversation, and that's the conversation I'm trying to have with you today because the thing I'm going to tell you about culture is it's going to continue to push back against the sexuality that God designed for us to have. It continues to push back so much so we don't even know what bathroom to use anymore. My goodness. Are you kidding me? Like, it's not hard what bathroom. We don't know that. Culture will continue to push back against God's design, not only for your sexuality, but how you should date. And God has a better plan. He has a greater design. He's greater designed for us. The question is, will we surrender to it? When I look at it this way, when I, when I think about this, we'll talk about it all the way through the series. I think about a good bonfire. Now, if you've got a bonfire in your backyard and you've got sticks everywhere and you try to have a bonfire, <clears throat> here's Valentine's little gift thing for you. Anyway, you try to have a bonfire, it's a little cooler today, and you've got sticks everywhere and you light a match, how's that fire going to go? You've got sticks everywhere, all through the yard. It's going to be pretty destructive. Um, it's not going to get, it's not going to yield the result you want. Yet, here's the thing. If you take that, that bonfire and you place some boundaries around it, put some bricks up, put a little fire pit in there, you, you, you put something else up there, a cat, I'm just kidding. I'm just, you put something around it to contain it. You put guardrails around it and you light that fire. What does it do? It lives up to its fullest potential. It burns bright. It 
it, it, it burns marshmallows as well as the roof of your mouth. Uh, like it does something. It gets to bless others because of how bright it burns because it sits within the confines, within the guardrails of what it's supposed to do. That is what singleness that is what marriage is supposed to look like, singles, is you want to have the fire burning within the guardrails that God has set forth. Because when you do that, then all of a sudden you can get that marshmallow roasted. You go get that Hershey bar and them graham crackers. You go slap them things on top of each other, and you eat that s'more, and you get to bless everybody with you. And people will come all around to see that light and not talk about its destruction, but just to be a part of it because they want to know why it's set apart. That's how we have to live as singles and how we have to live as married folks. Married folks, that sounds bad. Married folk, as we live as married in our life. And so for us, I want us to see inside of God's guardrails, how we pursue each other in our singleness will set us up successfully in our marriage. So today is a reset. I want you to know wherever you are, maybe you're single and you've messed up, I want to let you know, God hasn't given up on you. You know how I know that? Did the sun come up today? His mercies are new every morning. He hasn't given up on you. He still loves you. He's not here to judge you. He's not here to condemn you. He is here waiting with open arms, and he is saying, hey, today's a great day for a reset. Today's a great day to start over. Maybe you're married, and you didn't start off pursuing each other the right way, and you've had some friction in your marriage, and you just can't figure out what it comes to, and maybe, just maybe, it goes all the way back to that foundation not being as strong as it could have been. And I'm telling you, today's a reset button. Today's to lay some new footers, get that foundation stronger than it's ever been because you're pursuing righteousness and holiness. You're pursuing Christ as your treasure, and you realize as you pursue Christ as your treasure together, you will grow closer together. As you do it individually, you'll grow closer together. So I want you to know today is a day for a reset. For some of us today, you're single. Today's a day, or maybe you're engaged. You're, you're on the 60-day fiancé plan. Some of us today, the reset is you need to slow down. It needs to be a progression to your relationship. Have you seen each other without makeup on? Guys and girls, I don't know. Guys, I mean, hey, I grew up there where the goths were around. You know what it was? What it was? I don't know. If that, that still happens. Nothing wrong with that. I just, hey, I'm not here to judge you. Look at me. Like, seriously, you know what I mean? I'm not here to judge anybody. Maybe today you haven't let the progression happen so much so because you're just getting married because you're saying, well, I've saved myself for this person. Now let's just get married and go make babies. Like, okay, well, hang on, hang on. There's more to that because I'm going to tell you, eventually you're going to get old. Now I'm just going to be real. Things don't work. At one point in your life, they may give you a little pill in a box one day, but that is going to fade. Don't get married just for that, because that's going to fade. It's going to fade. And so for you, maybe you just need to pump the brakes on your relationship for a second and ask yourself, how committed am I to Christ first? Because if I'm fully committed to Him, then I know that I can show and, and reflect the love He has for me to you. And when we're married, I can lift you up by dying to myself. But if I haven't experienced that personally, I can't do that for you. And if I can't do that for you, I'm setting you up to fail, and I'm setting myself up to fail. For some of us, I'm going to be real with you, you need to speed up in your relationship. Christians are known to date for like 10 years or something. Like, bro, you've been dating for 10 years. If you haven't figured it out yet, the answer's probably no. Like, let's figure this out. Like, if it's been a long time and you've been through that relationship and there's been some time there in between, like, hey, maybe the Spirit's prompting you saying, hey, either you're going to do this or you aren't. 
Like there's some things there like, like in this reset that's going to happen. So some of us today, maybe we just need to let the relationship progress the way it's supposed to. And some of us need to uh, speed up a little bit. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not telling you to, to hurry up and rush into something to get divorced because that's the worst thing in the world. That's not what I want for anyone. I will tell you, divorce is something. It happens. God loves you. I'm not here to beat people up for divorce. I'm just telling you, anybody who's been through divorce will tell you the hurt that it caused. And it's a hurt they still carry. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for anyone. And that's what Paul was getting at when he was talking about being single versus being married. So here's where we're going to be. Maybe you're saying, I'm not, sing I'm not single. Let's not, you won't be asking this question, but I am dating or I'm looking to be dating and I'm single. What should I look for in a person? Let's see what Paul talked about here in 1 Timothy as he wrote his letter to Timothy. And these qualifications are going to look really familiar for you. If you've ever... If you've ever read about the church, or you look at leadership in the church, as you're going to 1 Timothy, we're going to be in 1 Timothy 3. If you want to do that, get there. And we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to see some qualities of a person that we need to become to be so that we can be dated or searched for in someone who we want to date. Let's make that real. We need to become it first before we do that. So here we go. Verse 1. Here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now this is talking about leadership in the church. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must engage, or he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine or cigarettes. I'm just kidding. I added that in there. Please, Jesus, don't strike me down. <laughs> not indulging in much wine uh, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. Time out before we get forward. Men. Can this be said of us? This is what we should become. Women, if you're looking for this in a man, I thought of this because I'm laughing because this is me and I'm going to give you a giggle and if I don't, it's okay too. Uh, Self-controlled, respectable, not given uh, to anger, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome. Let me ask you this. <clears throat> when he loses his virtual game, how angry does he get? And if he gets that mad about a game, how mad do you think he's going to be in the relationship? How frustrating is it going to be? Because I can tell you, I'm so thankful for the invention of the reset button on the Super NES because it saved me so many times of anger and turning off the machine so that it would save before I got my first loss on there all the time. Whenever that happened, if you know, you know, whatever that looked like, wherever you are, the, what I'm trying to get at is men, we should be spoken well of. We should be above reproach. When people talk about us, it shouldn't be about how great we are. It should be about how great Jesus is in us because these are the qualities that reflect him inside of us. Above reproach, faithful, temperate, self-control. It should sound like the fruits of the Spirit. Respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not violent but gentle, not given to drunkenness, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. So ladies, if you're looking for a man, 
Don't look for love in all the wrong places. Like, look at these qualities and see if he exhibits that. And don't beat him up if you don't. We're going to talk about this. I'm saying understand that this is what should be said about him, and this is how we as men should be growing in the church because we are all leaders in God's church. And so for this, that is who we are to become for men. So if you're asking for questions, who should I become before I date? Be stepping into that. And what should I look for if you're ladies for a man when you date? Notice it didn't say he had to have a ton of money. He had to drive a certain car. He had to wear a V-neck in, uh, <laughs> in his profile picture. Or, or uh, I'm, I'm getting all kinds of terrible 90s photos. I'm thinking of the rock with a fanny pack. I don't know why, but I was just thinking of that photo. Like in a, anyway, that always gets made fun of with that, the, 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 the turtleneck he had on. Anyway, that is who we should become. Verse 11, in the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. So realistically, before we go on, women should have the same qualities as men. However, the thing is, Paul is saying this, women, your words carry weight. They just do. What you say carries weight. I know you don't believe it. We have a hard time listening as men. I know that, like 100%. But your words carry weight. And so as you step into that, men, I just want to say, if she tears you down before you're married that much and makes you feel like crap, it's not going to get any better in your marriage. It's just going to get worse. And maybe that's something you need to work on, communicating together. And you can work that out in singleness and dating a lot better than you can with a two-year-old or a five-year-old or an eight-year-old running around giving you no peace because that's only going to add to the stress. Now, there are no perfect marriages. There are no marriages without fights. I'm sorry. Not real marriages have fights. They do. It is what it is. Like, they just do. But I'm telling you, if you see this in your singleness, you can carry that into marriage well and work through things. Because when you do, verse 12 says, a deacon must be faithful to his wife and manage his children and household well. When that happens, those who have served well gain an excellent standing and a great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Why am I sharing all this about singleness and dating? Why am I sharing all this about where we are? Because it's really crazy and it really blows my mind how as singles you can feel alienated, but sometimes it's an excuse for you not to get engaged. Not to get engaged in what God wants to do in your life. Not to get engaged. You think, if I only had this thing or if I only wanted this thing, talk to a married couple and understand how the stress and the things in their life magnified and multiplied when they came together that did it. Prime example, single person, you can go to bed when you want to, can't you? Married couples are looking right now. <laughs> you can. Now, you may not be able to get up when you want to because you got a job, you work, but single people, you can go to bed. You can eat dinner when you want to, like on your schedule. You can get in your car and go get dinner whenever you want to. You ain't worried about reservations because you know what you can do? You can reserve yourself a number three in the drive-thru. It ain't going to hurt nothing. Like, you are good to go. Like, it doesn't hurt anything. And when you're married, all of a sudden, something, you got you to gotta figure out, where are we going for dinner? That's what happens. See, when you go from singleness into marriage, it's, well, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this, I do want that. Well, let's go there. Oh, that's too far away. I can't go that far away. It just, you get the work, like it just gets magnified and magnified and multiplied all the way through. And so what I'm trying to tell you is if you can work through that now and you can say, taco night is Tuesdays, 100%. Tuesday night's taco night. That's how we're going to make it happen, 100%. And you do that well in your singleness, you can carry that well into your marriage because you can communicate well into marriage. As opposed to the world saying, oh, you don't need to communicate. 
You just need to go get married real quick and figure it out and go make some babies, and then life will all be well. Married couples, I know you may want children if you don't have children yet. Talk to a married couple with a child and tell me how much time they have to their self. <clears throat> tell me how many meals they get to eat alone. <laughs> That's one of those things, those operating systems a kid has built into them. Right when they go to sleep and you go to get that snack or read that book, ask a mom how quickly that child is on the lap, like, and no time flat. Those things are only multiplied when you go into marriage. And if you don't carry that well in singleness, you can't carry that well in marriage. And so for us, maybe we should become these qualities and work on ourselves first and our singleness so that we can be all God created us to be and we can marry someone who is becoming all God created them to be, and together what he does through us and the fire that burns through us will literally light a city on fire, will literally be a, city, be a, be a tower, a city on a hill, a light that can't be, can't be hid, a light that people will say, what's different about that? I want that. Because that's what we're called to be in the church. And so wherever you are today, as we go in, in Singles Day, National Singles Awareness Day or whatever it may be, I would say it's a great opportunity for a reset to ask God what he would have you become. Married couples, maybe you're in, in this, like I said, maybe you've got kids, have the conversation with them about how culture defines it. And kids, I want to tell you, as hard as it is to hear, your mom and dad, when they have those conversations or the person who loves you enough to have those with you, aren't trying to do it because this is hard for them to have it with you as it is for you to hear it. They're trying to have that conversation with you because they don't want you to be hurt. It's just that simple. I know that's hard to believe because we have it all figured out when we're teenagers. Good Lord. I just, I wish I could macho man Randy Savage, that kid, sometimes when I was a teen. Like, sometimes I just wish I could elbow drop him. Uh, but I love him to death, but like I do, because, you know, I had it all figured out, right? Had the plan all together. Had it all figured out. Nobody could tell you. And I want to tell you, when your parents do that, it's because they love you. And they don't want, they don't want you to be hurt. Maybe they've gone through the hurt themselves, and they, that's the last thing they would want. So have those conversations. Listen, married couples, have a reset day. Valentine's Day is a perfect day for a reset day. I gave you a bonfire idea. Go home today. Get your little fire pit. Get you some s'mores. Love on each other well. Get free hugs and kisses before you go. Load up on those things. It's even in the shape of a heart over there. So take a picture and say you did it for her. Whatever that is. Do what you got to do to make things work. But no matter what, what if we just became all God created us to be in our singleness so that we could carry it into our marriages, so that we could show that marriage points to something greater, and that's the hope of the gospel? Because when we do that, the love that all of us so desperately seek our entire life, we see can only be found in the Father above. See, today, that's, that's all this day's about. Everybody's about love. Like, you know, it, <laughs> I don't know in COVID world what that looks like. Uh, I'm such an old man now, but I don't know in COVID world what it looks like or in dating world, but like, are people going on dates today? I guess they are, even in a pandemic. I don't know. I guess they, I guess they are singles ready to mingles. I don't know what that is. Singles ready to mingles with some Pringles. I don't know. Whatever that is, wherever you are, like you can't just stop at one, you eat the whole can, whatever that looks like. I don't know if people are doing that, but what I'm trying to say is people are searching for love today. And the reset you may need to take today and the reset in your marriage may be that you've been expecting your spouse to fill that today. And maybe you need to release them from that. I'm not telling you to get a divorce. Listen, what I'm trying to say when I say release, don't make them carry the weight of your salvation and the weight of love that Jesus came and died to give you. 
Maybe you just need to let them. You need to forgive them because they're not supposed to carry that for you. And you know what? You're not supposed to carry that for them. Only Christ can. And so the love that some of us maybe are seeking today, we've looked in all the wrong places. And on Valentine's, it's a reminder of the love that comes from the Father. John 3, 16 and 17 reminds us of it this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, the most successful marriages in the church understand this. The love that they have for their spouse can only be a mirror and a reflection of the love that Christ has for them. The thing is, they can't give it if they've never received it. And so today, maybe that's where you are. You've been so hard trying to give love to everybody else that you've never received love. You don't know what real love feels like. And I want you to know that there is a creator God who loves us enough that even in our sinfulness, even in our regret, our shame, our guilt, our penalty to death for our sin, he sent his one and only son. He gave the one thing that he had to make a way for us to experience love unconditionally. And Jesus came, lived that perfect sinless life that we couldn't live. He didn't come after he did that and say, I lived it all myself. Y'all can't do it and beat us up about it. No, 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 no. He loved us enough. He humbled himself and he died on the cross for us, paying the penalty for our sin. Then he loved us enough not to stay dead. He rose again on the third day so that we could have life and have it to the full. And so for us today, maybe that's you. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you've been looking for love in the Hershey kisses and the Hershey hugs and the, and the chocolates and the dove chocolates and, and in, in a relationship with another person or a, a post or, or, or a message or, or a, a picture. You can't understand why you can never feel satisfied or feel like you are who you were created to be. And I just want to ask if you've considered Jesus. The only way that if I'm ever married, I will be successful in my marriage is because I've received this free gift of salvation from Jesus. So the reset for some of us today may be that we need to receive Christ for the first time. So with every head bow and every eye closed, I want to ask everyone to repeat this prayer after me for the benefit of those coming to the faith for the first time. It's not the words of this prayer that saves you, it's the faith that Jesus is who he says he is. It's receiving this free gift of salvation, this free gift of love, that we don't have to do anything but have faith to receive. So with every head bow and every eye closed, I'm gonna ask everyone to repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the perfect sinless life. I couldn't live, die the death I deserve, paying the penalty for my sin on the cross, but love me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. With every head bow and every eye closed, if that's you and for the first time, you can say that you have received this free gift of salvation. I'm gonna count to three. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. One, two, 
three. If that's you and you're in this house, would you raise your hand? If you're watching online, you're gonna see a hand that's raised. If you're listening throughout the week, you can reach out to us at prayer at thevine.tv or 864-580-6698. We would love to celebrate this decision with you because here's the thing that I want you to know, no matter what, you've got a father who loves you, who is waiting with open arms. All he is asking is, will you receive him? He's not standing there waiting to judge you. He's not standing there waiting to throw stones at you. He's not waiting there standing to tell you how much you've messed up, how much you've screwed up. He just says, I want to hug you, and I want to wrap my arms around you, and I want my love to be in your life, and I want you to know that when you have nowhere else to turn, I am there with you. If that's you today, if that's you today, would you let us know? And for the rest of us, wherever you are, I, I'm, I'm going to pray and we're going to sing a song about, about how the Father is there for us. Maybe we need to be restored in our marriage today. Maybe we need to be restored even in our relationship with Christ if we're single so that we can have a great way to date going forward. Whatever that looks like, I just want us to be reminded of the Father and how we can run to Him with anything, how we can go to Him with anything, and how He is always standing there waiting at the end of the street with open arms to wrap his arms around us. So dear Jesus, I pray today as we get to sing and lift you high, I pray that we would be reminded of your great love. I pray that we would be reminded that we've done nothing to earn this, we've done nothing to deserve this, that it is your mercy and grace that we even get to experience this. So I pray today that today we hit the reset button. I pray today that we experience and know that your mercies are new every day, that we live it out. Maybe our marriage is the best it's ever been. Jesus, I pray that we would continue to pursue you in it. Maybe our marriage is the worst it's ever been. I pray that we would pursue you, Jesus, in it. Maybe our singleness is the worst it's ever been, and we would pursue you in it. Maybe it's the best it's ever been, and we would pursue you in it, that no matter what, Jesus, we would see you as our treasure, and that we would pursue you in everything we do because when we get to experience your love, Jesus, we get to share it with the world. And that's what you came for, for us to share your love with the rest of the world. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now stand to sing with us. Run to the Father again and again and 
Wherever you are in the relationship spectrum, the beauty is we can always have a relationship with Father God through Christ Jesus. The best relationship we could ever have is that. It's the one that isn't going to condemn us. It's the one that's always going to be there waiting with open arms. And I'm telling you right now, as we get to experience that individually, as we corporately do that in marriage, as we corporately do that in the church that is the bride of Christ, my goodness, how we can bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. 
So let's model that in all that we do throughout this week. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you today. Uh, I didn't pull the pastor prank where you always have the singles raise their hand and look at each other. So let's not do that today when you go out. However, I wanna tell you, I hope today has been a great reset for each and every one of us as we go forward and define our relationship and define the relationship together. Because this week, boy meets girl, Next week, they get married. It's like a reality show. It's amazing how quickly things go through. We're going to be talking about that next week as we go forward. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to go have an awesome week. Can't wait to see you next week. So dear Jesus, thank you again for this day. Thank you that we get to be here. Thank you for this rain that we don't think we need. Thank you that it's not snowing and icing here, that we get to at least not have our power cut out and, and all kind of crazy stuff from that. And we have bread and milk in the store for our Valentine's Day lunch and dinner, whatever that looks like. But Jesus, really, thank you for this day. Thank you that we get to experience you. We get to experience the fullness that you came to give us only because we get to first experience your love. Thank you for loving us. We did nothing to deserve it. I pray that our marriages, I pray that our lives, I pray that our church would reflect you and your love and all that we do. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next week.